The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility gaming resources. What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here from SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and we want to welcome you to another BTB roundtable here on the Block of the Boys YouTube channel. Do subscribe. We do these every single Tuesday for you, our loyal viewer, our chance to chat in a live session. We bring only the best when we have the roundtables because that's the whole point. It's literally a roundtable. This is more of a square proposition. Joining me this particular afternoon slash evening, the one and only Tony Catalina on Twitter at Tony underscore Catalina. Underneath him in the 4 o'clock slot on your clock, Tom Ryle on Twitter at Tom Ryle BTV. Down beneath me, only on StreamYard, never in any other capacity, is Dan Rogers, new to the BTB roundtable, old school BTB or one of the legends that Blog and the Voice has had for a very long time on Twitter at DannyPhantom24. You can hear all of these guys on the Blog and the Voice podcast network, Tom, every Thursday on Riled Up with Roy White. And we just launched a new daily show on the Blog and the Voice podcast network called Dallas Cowboys Roundup. You can hear Tony on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and Dan on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Dan, since it is Tuesday, I go to your first. How are you doing, sir? I am doing great. You know, um, I think this is the first uh, roundtable that we've had that the Cowboys are up uh, two games over 500. So, you know, to be a part of that, I'm just excited. Uh, So, yeah, thanks for having me. Life is good. Food tastes better. The flowers smell sweeter. Uh, Tom, are, are you wanting to go back down to 500 so that we get back to what we're used to and accustomed to? Or do you like life here above all the clouds? Oh, how dare you suggest anything other than I want to keep climbing. I want this to get better. And yeah, I think we're going to discuss this could get better for a few weeks. Okay, Tony, Tom's optimistic. Do you have any signs of pessimism do you have anything you want to bring in that is negative or are you just you know totally copacetic totally chill totally good vibes right now so the the vibes are good right now but my thing is i i forgot what a loss feels like and i'm really really like anxious to not want to feel that again and it's not realistic but you know i'm loving the vibes right now you know what tony that's a great point i do think and you all know this uh from all of our experience at btb when a loss hits after a winning streak, it hits hard and it feels like the sky is falling. Uh, I think a good example of this is back in 2016 when the Cowboys lost their second game of the season against the New York Giants. Everybody thought, got to bench Dak. He doesn't have it. I mean, this team sucks. This team's a disaster. Uh, so it can get petty and dark rather quickly around here. I believe Blue 365 says, I want to get excited, but I've been hurt 
for too long. And I think that that is a sentiment that many people share. Clayton Lockhart says, what it do, everybody? Clayton, hope your day has been well. Um, let's go ahead and launch into things from a positive perspective. Dan, I'll go to you first once again. Was Sunday the best Cowboys game so far this season? We mentioned it. Lots of good moods, lots of good vibes, three wins in a row for the Cowboys. I do think that there is a bit more positivity this particular week than there has been over the last two weeks, at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to think so. I mean, it was hard to top the, the Philadelphia game um, because, you know, I mean, who doesn't like to see us blow them out? Um, but I really think with uh, with Carolina, I don't know how you guys felt, but like at halftime, I can kind of just, I felt my stomach kind of settling in. It's like, all right, you know, here we go. You know, I, I felt this before. And then the second half happened and suddenly it's like, you know, what am I experiencing here? So, um, you know, Carolina is a good football team. You know, they have a good defense. Uh, so it was just really nice to just see them just, uh, you know, just really take it to them. So, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Um, Tom, by the way, we do have a question here from Joe. Joe, I need you to specify, please, in your comment. You said, please address why people keep moving the goalpost on Dak. We'll get to that. Just could you please give us a little bit more description on, on what exactly you want us to hit on? Tom, I think Dan has a point. I think we were all a little bit queasy at halftime when it was 14-13. There were some, you know, questions in the air. Tony was on our Instagram live on halftime. He'll be doing that every week, by the way. So follow us on Instagram, blogging.d.boys. He is the author of all of our IG action. Uh, but there was this like sense of peace or sense of calm, I think, at least washing over me, like, okay, they'll figure this out. That's what they've done. Uh, and then the third quarter, I know the great Bob Stern wrote about this. That might have been the finest Dallas Cowboys quarter that we've had this century. I mean, that was a marvelous quarter that the Cowboys pulled off, uh, obviously in the third against Carolina. Did you feel that? I mean, you know, because I, I also kind of think it was, Dan, I'm totally with you. The Philadelphia win was awesome, you know, from, from beginning to end. But it was kind of boring. I mean, not that it wasn't great, but it was it – was, the Cowboys were so comfortably in the lead. So, Tom, was it nice to kind of see them be somewhat challenged and overcome that? Yeah, and, and it just comes down to the fact that I think the Carolina Panthers, um, though they're criticized for having had a soft schedule to get to 3-0 and – they're still head and shoulders above the Philadelphia Eagles right now. The Eagles look to be a hot mess. Uh, they're in the cellar of the NFC East, and they don't seem to have any answers right now. I really am – I feel like this is you know something that's been overlooked. The Cowboys have played four teams. Three of those teams now sit at three and one, and – Two of those teams are not undefeated because, oh, they happen to play the Dallas Cowboys. This team, I think we are seeing more quality opponents than people are giving us credit for. We have seen. Uh, I, I found a site, uh, uh, I think it's uh, called Power Ranking Guru, uh, and they go in and come up with, a, they've got their own way of calculating it, but they show that the Cowboys have faced the third toughest schedule so far this year and the rest of the way they face the 19th toughest schedule i like how that equates out and i hope they've got some validity to their process but yeah this was i think probably their best game uh it may be their second most significant win because i put that to the win over the uh, los angeles chargers who by the way dethroned the las vegas raiders last night so, you know, 
yeah, I like what is happening. I like where it's going. And yeah, I like having the New York Giants coming to town next because I, I'm not going to worry too much about that one. Um, first of all, Joe, we'll definitely get to your Dak question. Thank you for the context. Tom, I agree with you. Um, Tony, um, to set you up, Ben Baldwin does a great job covering the NFL in, in general, one of the smarter minds of it. Uh, I just you know pulled this while we're on, so it's not the prettiest way I can upload it. So apologies to everyone, especially our producer. Um, I know she won't love this. But uh, if you take a look uh, as it covers all of our faces here, um, Ben does a great job of sorting NFL teams by tiers. And you can see where the Cowboys rank. And I think the more encouraging thing than anything, Tom, to your point, is where the Chargers rank, which are right behind the Buccaneers flag right there, and where the Panthers rank. I mean, so the Cowboys, Tony, not just three and one, but two wins against really quality teams. And you could certainly, you know, gloss up that third win against the Philadelphia Eagles in the sense that it was a division game. It was primetime game, Monday night football, first game at AT&T Stadium, first time for Dak back at the building, as everybody discussed heading into that. So, I mean, they they might have, uh, you know, the Arizona Cardinals are undefeated, but the Cowboys might have the highest quality when it comes to average wins of their 3-1 record of anybody that is 3-1 right now. I mean, for sure. You look at the way they started the first month of the season and, you know, like you, you lose to a game winning field goal against Tampa Bay, Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champion. So you arguably should have won, too, if, you, if right. you were smart on special teams. Right. Right. I mean, you're looking at that and you say, OK, your only loss is against the Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady. He's had four months to prepare for this game. You know, he's dissected this defense and looked at it. Then you go against, you know, the Chargers win is looking better and better by the week. You know, they're they're a real team, and, and they are definitely a team that – you know, as long as, as well as them making themselves look good, they're making us look good for going in that in their house and winning that football game. When it comes to division games and the way to look at the Philadelphia Eagles, I always have like an unsettling feeling, right? I, I I don't look at these games like Tom just said the Giants. You know, like he's not too worried, but I get a sick feeling in my stomach whenever we play these division games because y- you know we're the better team. You, they know they're the better team, and then you can throw all that out as soon as the ball is kicked off. So. Um, this to take care of the Philadelphia Eagles in a handed, you know, in a nice handly way in fashion. Um, to me, that was the win of the the season so far because that's what you're supposed to do. You go out there, mm. you're supposed to take care of inferior teams. Now, Carolina at halftime, I touched on it during our halftime show of the Instagram page. I, I just had an unsettling feeling because I've seen this before. You know, I've I've seen I've seen where. You know, there's been some fumbles. Dalton Schultz, every time he touched it, it ended up on the ground. And you just had this sick feeling that something was going to turn. And they shut me right up because they came out in the second half and they showed that in that third quarter that, like, this is a different team and we can be dominant. I mean, defensively, offensively, then you turn around going into the fourth quarter. It's an entire different football game. And I'm like, all right, I'm wrong. It's interesting. You all have different opinions on what the best win of the season was for the Cowboys. Dan, you effectively chose the Carolina game. Tom, you went uh, back to the Chargers win. And Tony, you said it was the Eagles win. And so um, since I have to cast the deciding vote here, I side with Dan uh, because I do think the Panthers win was more impressive. Uh, I think, Tom, you know, the Chargers game, that's you could argue that could have been a loss. I mean, Justin Herbert threw a really uncharacteristic interception that DeMonte KZ got his hands on. I mean, that's that's what football is. Like, you can you don't have to move the goalposts a long way to change the Cowboys record to one and three or two and two, right? If the KZ interception doesn't happen, if the Dalton Schultz forward progress, you know, thing doesn't get called, Tony. I mean, there's 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 a handful of, of 
moments in a given season that really do turn things on their head. And we're already seeing that, obviously, for the Cowboys four weeks in. Dan, Dan, I wanted to agree with you because I wanted to soften you up before I pissed you off. Um, You have been one of the harshest critics of Mike McCarthy since he took over as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, You've made your opinion very vocal, not to start a war or a massive debate or anything like that. But uh, and we're certainly curious for everyone who's watching live. We are podcasting this after the facts. If you are listening on the Blog of the Voice podcast network, you can tweet it. Any of us, let us know. But true or false, Dan, this is Mike McCarthy's best performance as the Cowboys head coach. The floor is yours. Uh, Give him his credit, Dan. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I have have to think so. Yeah, I mean, I I have to say that uh, McCarthy is starting to grow on me. I mean, when you win football games, that you know that's going to do it. Um, You know, I'm I'm I don't hate Mike McCarthy. I just uh, the thing with with him is, you know, I'm I want to be honest, like. You know, prior to him coming to Dallas, I just didn't really like what he was doing in Green Bay. I mm-hmm. I wasn't impressed with him. I thought they were kind of winning despite him. A lot of the times they didn't seem like they knew what they were doing. And then Aaron Rodgers would bail them out. And it just kind of like I always thought from a side, you know, he just wasn't a very good coach to me. And so now when he comes to Dallas, I you know, I didn't just want to all of a sudden like, well, he's great now because he's right, coaching right, the right. Cowboys, you know. So that's that's where I'm at, but you know, I I will, um, you know, I'm certainly rooting for him, and I do have to give him his his credit because I mean this team's playing really well. I mean, I think that there's a lot involved, you know, in winning football games, you know, with talent and and other coaches too. So he's one piece of this. Um, so I don't think you know that this is a great season. It's like oh, coach of the year, Mike McCarthy. Right, I right. mean, it may it may happen, but um, but yeah, I, I honestly. You know, I'm I'm very pleased with how things are going. You know, and how he's letting people, you know, do their thing. I still have these times where it's like, what is he doing? Um, and it seems like it's happening every week. But you know, I we're winning games, so I'll just I can I can live with it. You know, David Hellman does a great job writing the McCarthy Chronicles every week at bloggingtheboys.com. And you're right, Dan. It does seem like there is – it's like a weekly point of division among Cowboys fans, right? Like, you know, what side of this particular McCarthy decision did you fall on? Uh, Tom, Lex says McCarthy let the foot off the gas in this particular game. This is a an idea that has been thrown out, obviously, since Sunday afternoon. Tom, I'll set it up my way. And and I know that you, you felt that way. You wrote about it, this yourself at BTB. And, and Dan, I think this addresses your point, you know, and the large point that McCarthy has these kind of weird moments. I believe that Mike McCarthy, this is my own opinion. I believe he coaches with a sense of arrogance and that's not a bad thing, right? Because if, if you can, if you can back it up, you, you have every right to be arrogant, right? I mean, and so that's fine. I, and I think that arrogance ripples into certain decisions that he makes. I think, for example, in week one, I had a problem with the decision to let Greg Zerline kick that 60-yard field goal. There's arrogance behind thinking he can make this. And arrogance sometimes leads to futility, right? Like, that's that's what happened. Tom, Tom Brady almost pulled off a touchdown in the final moments of that first half. I think it was really arrogant to handle things the way they did at the end of the game against the Chargers. They thought, well, we're in field goal range, right? We're 56-yard attempt, you know. Zerline can make this thing. Let's just go ahead and trust it. That's an arrogant thing. I mean, you know, to say we don't need more yards. We don't need to. And I know the play clock and whatever. The end of the first half against the Eagles, right? 20 to 7. We don't need more points. That's a really arrogant way of thinking. And so, Tom, I I think that that my 
own estimation is that's what happened at the end of this game. I think Mike McCarthy said, you know what? We're up 15 points. I've seen my team get derailed by injuries. I'm going to put Trayvon Diggs on ice. I'm not going to take any chances here. And yeah, the Panthers might go down and score a touchdown, but you know what I'll just do if they do? I'll just get the ball back and I'll run the clock out. And he did to to his credit in this particular moment. But I think that that arrogance is seeped in a lot of decisions that he's made so far. And I think that that is exemplified in a lot of decisions last season as well. But I think we're really seeing it magnified more in 2021. Yeah, well, as it just so happens, I just finished writing about 1,300 words on saying that we need to you got to be passionate about something credit. to hit 1300 words Tom. yeah I mean, that's <laughs> uh yeah we need to give him more credit because you need to step back and look at the big picture how many times in the past have we seen the cowboys come into a game unprepared with a bad game plan not ready to go out and play the way they needed to we haven't seen that this year uh how many times have we heard about meaningful halftime adjustments well guess what apparently kellen moore and dak prescott figured out what they wanted to do to come out and take command of that game back. Uh, how many times have we seen a killer instinct on defense? And all the credit to Dan Quinn for bringing that, but the the overall culture of a team starts with the head coach. We saw how Jason Garrett permeated the team, and I think in the long run that wound up being a little bit detrimental because of Garrett's laid-back, ultra-conservative approach at times. McCarthy is bringing maybe some of that arrogance to the team in a good way uh, in the fact that they go out there and think we can do this and they are all, I mean, I can't think of a play where I really want to say a player slacked off and cost the team. Uh, you know, it seemed you like of Greg was, Zerline. That's it. That's the only one. Yeah. Well, that wasn't a slack off. That was just Greg Zerline not being as good as uh, John Fossil seems to think he is. To last year, how many times were we calling out a lot of people, <coughs> Jalen Smith, and saying that they were just not putting enough effort out there? That ain't happening this year. Something's changed. This is a different animal, and I think it's at least partly because McCarthy had the full offseason to get in and start making this team into what he wanted to be. If if that's true, then I'll be sticks around for a while. Um Tony, it, it's so hard to look at McCarthy's 2020 season, obviously. And it's hard to look at anybody's 2020 in general just because of the state of our world. Uh, it's something I've said to def- I guess defend him is the guy sat out a whole year. I've never sat out a whole year of anything except college. Don't tell my parents. Um, and you know, he, he planned, right. He, he had a plan for what he wanted to do when he got back. And on like day six, that plan goes out the window. Right. And so it's okay. Here we go. Travis Frederick retires. Holy crap. You know what I mean? Uh, Lyle Collins misses the whole season. Dak Prescott gets hurt. I mean, so whatever plan he had was incredibly thwarted. And I do think, you know, the first game the Cowboys played without Dak last year was on Monday Night Football. They got whipped by the Arizona Cardinals. I know we all have painful memories of that. And they go to Washington the following week. John Bostick takes a cheap shot on Andy Dalton, takes him out of the game. I think we all agree that Dallas was going to lose that game no matter what. But still, it, it adds to the, you know, confusion, the hysteria, whatever you want to call it. They go on their bye. They come out. Mike McCarthy smashes some watermelons. The culture that Tom start, is talking about starts to kind of seep in a little bit here. And they beat a really good Vikings team. I know the Vikings didn't make the playoffs, but I think they're a really good team. And then 
this isn't about football, but tragedy strikes the Cowboys. And Mike McCarthy said himself, he didn't know how the Cowboys were going to play on Thanksgiving against Washington. They get some time to stabilize, time to breathe a little bit, and then they rip off some wins. And I know they were against some low-quality opponents last year in Cincinnati, San Francisco, and Philadelphia. But I I think you can argue, if you're, if you're trying to, that over this offseason, his culture, his line of thought, whatever you want to call it, has had a chance to settle in. They have technically won six of their last eight games under Mike McCarthy. Everybody wants to give Dan Quinn his props, myself included, 10 turnovers in four games. They had 12 turnovers in the final four games of last season. That was prior to Dan Quinn. So, Tony, I mean, we're, we're all so quick to give Kellen Moore his due, Dan Quinn his due, Dak Prescott his due, Zeke Elliott his due, Amari Cooper his due. I mean, where is Mike? Like, I think it's people – I think people want to hate Mike McCarthy. Not you, Dan. I, but I, I think that that – perception is out there so they just people are reluctant to give him any sort of credit because they're so quick to attribute it elsewhere right and you know to when you give when you gotta take and look at him and the things he's done right and he if you've done something wrong and you and you point that out you gotta also be fair in the sense that look what he's done on the positive side of it right i mean he looked at the mike nolan situation whether that was by force or not he he found and realized that wasn't the recipe, right? We got to move on. Let's get Dan Quinn in there and bring him in. So you look at the situation he did, how important it was to keep Kellen Moore there. I mean, he has humbled himself in the sense that he's not calling plays. He understands what he has on staff that can work with him, right? And then, like you said, the team, whether it be something clicked in the head schematically or they bought into the system or anything like that, it just seemed to be like they were coming into shape playing a little bit better. Now, everybody dealt with what last year was. Everybody knows what the season was, what life was like last year. This is his first real real off season, real season that this is, you know, for me, I'm looking at it as like, what is Mike McCarthy going to do this year? And I think I've said it from the beginning, I'm going to judge him more based on merit of this year. And, they whether it be Dan Quinn's influence or you know Mike McCarthy's finally getting to you know cook with his own ingredients. Shout out to Bill Parcells. It's for him. If you're looking at it and you're like the the guys are buying in and and they're playing better, they're playing faster. That could have something to do with Dan Quinn's scheme and simplifying it. They're just going out there and looking quicker. And to me, you know, looking at the way that. You know, for me, the way I look at this team and I, somebody I want to pinpoint is that this defense and this team has the identity of what Jaron Curse brings, right? He's just Ooh, great. He's comment, got like, you know what I mean? So it's like that is the type of person. If you could say what this team is kind of morphing into, it's the way Jaron Curse plays. It's violent. It's aggressive. It's swagger it's confidence and you just see that around the team and now is that because you know part of it because Dak Prescott's there but that's also part of the fact that the people around here are bought in whether that's Mike McCarthy or not this team as a whole is just has a different feel about him this year Mm. does anybody have anything to add to Tony I think Tony wins this round I don't I I got (laughs) that thing about a different feel about the season exactly this just this team feels like another animal than what we've seen for a long time. Dan, um, obviously you've followed and covered the Cowboys forever. When's What's the last stretch of time that's felt like this to you? Because it was clearly nothing in 2020. And 2019 had the first three games of the season that the Cowboys won. And, you know, everything was great then. And then they lost three in a row, including to the Jets. And then ever since then, it was kind of topsy-turvy, you know, jump roping around 500. I would suggest it was maybe the five-game winning streak they went on after trading for Amari Cooper over the second half of 2018. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think 
I still think uh, the last time I have felt like this was probably the 2016 season. Whoa, so you're going even that far back. I just, uh, you know, I have a lot of trust issues with the defense, and I haven't felt this good about the defense um, in a while. So, um, I mean, yeah, the the Cooper, when we traded for Cooper and the the streak, I mean, they were fun to watch. But as far as, like, excitement level, like, uh, I really think this team could could go places. Um, Yeah, I think it's probably goes back then. Okay, so, Dan, you've segue nice natural segue you can hear dan by the way everybody every tuesday and thursday on dallas cowboys roundup on the block boys podcast network that beautiful baritone voice uh but you have naturally segued us dan into a topic that tom wanted to discuss he messaged me this week said we have to discuss this on the round table and tom that is where do the cowboys rank in the hierarchy of the nfc as a whole i posited on the post game show that you could honestly i think you'd be hard pressed to find an afc team that we all feel would beat the Cowboys 10 out of 10 times or a majority of times out of 10. Um, I think the Cowboys can go toe to toe with the chiefs. I think the Cowboys can go toe to toe with the bills. Anybody else in the AFC, like, you know, yeah, the Ravens are cute, whatever, but they're the top two teams in the conference. But on the NFC side of things, Tom, I think you've got the Buccaneers, obviously reigning conference champions. You've got the Los Angeles Rams who just lost for the first time. You got the Arizona Cardinals who they lost to. I, you know, every Tuesday at blogoftheboys.com, which is the day we're having this conversation, write our power rankings. I had the Cowboys as my seventh best team. Do you think that's stupid, Tom? You mean your seventh best team in the whole NFL? In the whole NFL. I'm getting them open for you so I can tell you exactly who they, like the order here, because I know you're going to be upset. You're going to call me out. You're going to say, RJ, you're dumb. So my order, my top seven teams, Arizona Cardinals at number one, Buccaneers at two, Cleveland Browns at three. I know I didn't mention them, but you know, they've earned a little bit here. Uh, The Rams at four, the Chiefs at five, and the Bills at six. So the only NFC teams I have ahead of the Cowboys are the Cardinals, the Bucks, and the Rams. And the Rams kind of got pants this past weekend. So I think the Cowboys might at least be in a tie with them right now because nobody's embarrassed Dallas yet. Uh, And they may go through a season even if they lose without getting that kind of an embarrassing performance. I think they may – there's an argument to be made that they're the third best team in the NFC at the moment. Who are your top two? I would have to go with uh, the Cardinals, and uh, then you would do ask me that question and just absolutely make my mind go totally blank. Uh, uh, the Tampa so you, Bay, the, right yeah, now. Tampa Bay, I still give Tampa Bay a little edge. Uh, and then the, the team that I kind of have to look over my shoulder at is the Green Bay Packers because they still got Aaron Rodgers, and we all know what Aaron freaking Rodgers has done to the Cowboys in the past. But right now, yeah, I think they're probably – I would say looking at them as a number three seed is kind of how I'm feeling. They're, mm. they're a number three or number four seed right now. Well, they're, they're a four seed at least because they're winning the division. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, no, there's no way that that's not happening. Yeah, but let's throw out the division being ahead of the wild cards and say that even if they just went straight off of the, the, the best gotcha. record – the Cowboys, I think. You just, you just want to make up a world for us to all live in time. Yeah. Go figure. I still think number three. Uh, Tony, who do you have ahead of the Cowboys in the NFC? The only team that I can convincingly at this moment in time, and to me, pers- the only thing I think I can think of is the Arizona Cardinals, right? Um, I think Tampa Bay would get the nod over Dallas at this point. I mean, they did beat them. I feel like, you know, 
as barely good beat as our them. defense. And then, and then they right. barely beat New England, and they, they would, things were touch and go for them against Atlanta. So, I mean, you could you could poke some I holes mean, in their wins, too. You, you, could, you could convince me otherwise, right? And that's why I was saying I think the only NFC team that could – like uh, that I'm certain at this moment that is better than Dallas is Arizona. And that's, you know, we're only a month into the season. Um, I do think that if you're going to look at us in the Los Angeles Rams, I think we are, I think we are better. I think there's a, there's a case to be made there, especially the way they played last week. And Tom touched on it. We, we haven't been, we haven't been pants like that. I mean, every game we've played in has been tight or we've won it, you know? So for me, I can only convincingly say Arizona Cardinals. So and, and, and I can I can lean towards Tampa Bay, so I'm right in that. I think we're the third best in the NFC right now as it stands. I think, you know, the difference between the Cowboys and the Rams is the Rams are, I don't want to call them a one-trick pony on offense, but it's it's Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. I mean, you look at their box score from last week, Cooper Cup got like 16 targets. You know, that's that's it. And that's the difference with Dak Prescott. Dak will take whatever. Dak, Dak's all about the low-hanging fruit. He's not you know, picky. He's not prioritizing anything. Uh, but on the Cardinal side of things, Dan, you were the one who mentioned, I think you speak for all of us though, about having trust issues in the Cowboys defense. Kyler Murray, I think of, of maybe everybody in the NFL presents the biggest challenge for any defense, but let alone the Cowboys defense. I mean, that, that might be where, where we feel nauseous and queasy going into that particular matchup or something like that, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals are the top team to me. Um, I, ha- I have the Cowboys at four. Um, with Arizona, the Rams, and the Bucks being ahead of them. Um, before the season started, I was worried about Seattle and Green Bay. And I mean, kind of still worried about Green Bay, but I'm really confused about what happened to them uh, in week one, just that getting demolished by the Saints. So I haven't really been able to make sense of that. So I'm worried about them less. So I have the Cowboys ahead of Green Bay. Um, and then I got to put the Bucks ahead of us because they beat us. Uh, the Rams worry me. Uh, I think they're they're good on both sides of the ball. I do think they have other offensive weapons. Um, you know, I don't think Robert Woods has just been used enough. Um, it kind of scares me that the Rams have a viable quarterback now because they have a really good defense. Uh, and I think yeah, Kyler Murray is the wild card. I think he's a he's the type that could really just take them over the top, or he could end up being maybe. A little inconsistent, you know, because he still doesn't have a lot of experience and and maybe has a game where it's like, where'd Kyler Murray go? And all of a sudden the, the Cardinals are lost. So um, I figure four is that's where I have it. And honestly, I mean, it feels really good, you know, to Cowboys be the fourth best team in the NFC. Yeah. I, I mean, if you had told us that that would be the case, you know, a month into the season, a month ago or two months ago. Homer, you're a homer. Well, if, if you had to like guarantee that like a magic weenie shows up or weenie, a magic genie shows up and says, uh, hey, you know, you can guarantee. The, I was thinking of the word weak. And so like my mind meshed them together. Uh, so but what kind of show uh, you got here, RJ. Uh, but if, if a magic genie had guarantee, could guarantee that to you, we all would have taken that being the fourth best team in the conference. None of us would have thought the Cardinals would have been in the mix. Um, I do want to get to a point that was brought up earlier in the show in the comment section. And that is about people moving the goalposts on Dak Prescott. Um, you know, Kyler Murray, I think if the season ends today, which is a dumb way to say things, but, you know, whatever, is probably the league's MVP. Because to win it, you have to have some some sense of, like, flash and, and pizzazz. And, and Kyler certainly has that. It's a partly narrative-driven award, although Dak Prescott's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. But I do think that Dak winning comeback player of the year, which seems like a lock, is probably going to inhibit his MVP chances because people are going to say, well, he's got comeback player of the year. He doesn't need MVP, whatever, whatever, whatever. Tom, um, is is this 
the is is this the best version of Dak Prescott we've ever seen? I well, I'm trying to figure out what more people want to see from him. I mean, the only thing I can come up with is volume stats. Yeah, Would people you, want to see that. That's the answer. They want to see the yeah. 400 yards a game, whatever. Like that's what people want to see. Yeah, and and that's not going to happen because oh. Ezekiel Elliott is back with a vengeance right now. I mean, he had 140-some-odd yards rushing uh, against the Panthers. The running game put up 245 yards. Yeah, let's not have the quarterback take as many drawbacks just to protect him a little bit more. And, oh, by the way, that that offensive line that we kind of were, you know, a little bit worried about, including Tyler Biotish, uh, they allowed one quarterback hit and no sacks the whole game, and none of the interior offensive linemen gave up a pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's just a little something to throw in. For Dak, he is doing whatever needs to be done by his team. The first week, he came out and threw for a mile because that was the way they felt they had a chance of attacking the Tampa Bay defense. Since then, it's been, oh, well, you're going to go drop back and try to take away all my passing targets. Here, Zeke. Here, Tony. Go out and rip off a long run. And it's just he is not – he is that rare – he's that thing that he is extremely talented. He can make all the throws. He can, you know, hit pinpoint targets. He is in complete command of the game, and he can also manage the game by knowing when not to try to lean on himself. So that last point is important, Tom, and something I want to get to. I'm going to surprise you all with something here. Ruse brings this up, says, yo, Golden Corral. Now, I don't know if any of you know this or not or remember this. Um, I wrote about this at the time, not trying to brag on myself or anything. Uh, But uh, in December of 2019, uh, Dak Prescott was a guest on the Cowboys Hour, which is done on DallasCowboys.com and 105.3 The Fan. Uh, Taylor Stern and Brad Sham were the hosts. And he was asked about the impact of John Kitten, obviously, who's been an instrumental person or was an instrumental person in, in his development and his mechanical work and things like that. Uh, this is a clip. Again, this is from December 2019. And I think that this really speaks to, Tom, your point and everybody's point about how he's he's just understanding what is necessary. And, and he's not going to do anything more than that because there's a level of efficiency to this. It, people, I'm sure, have read about his um, using Barry Bonds as a yeah. comparison for what he wanted you to do for those who haven't. Tell him a little bit about that, and how did you receive it when he first brought that to you? Yeah, he said we're going to be the, the home run hitter, and the home run hitter of, of the back in the day, not the guys now that, no offense to the baseball guys, but that are swinging for the fences every pitch, that we're the Barry Bonds mentality. We go up there, and we know our one pitch is that, that fastball high and outside, but we're ready for every pitch, right? So when, when the pitcher pitches something, we're ready, and we're still going to get a hit. But that moment that high fastball comes outside, there's no question about it. We're taking it over the fence. And that was kind of the, the mentality of a quarterback is when we get dropped back, we're, we know we have a completion in our back pocket, no matter, what they, no matter what they give us or what the defense does. But when they give that one particular look, that's the home run shot, and that's where you see the big plays, the 20-yard 20, 20 plays, 40-yard plays start to happen. And uh, it's, it's been great. I mean, the mentality has, has sat in, and it's the kind of the way I play, uh, play the game. But the other part of that is what intrigues me, because it's that Bonds also took a lot of walks, yeah. which translated into what? For you, didn't it mean be patient, don't try to force it if it's not there? Yeah, 100%. Uh, 
and, and the, he has, kid has so many good sayings, but that's, that's another one is, yeah, don't force it if it's not there. He says, and if it is there, take it. Don't, don't sit there and wait on something else bigger to come up. He says, uh, what's, his, what's his saying? If, we're, if you're at Golden Corral and you're going down the buffet line, right? Yeah, I know everybody loves Golden Corral. I do. And, right, and over here to the right, we have our chicken fried steak. And there, there's some chicken fried steak. Go ahead and take that. And if there's uh, the prime rib at the end, we'll get that too. But let's not pass up our chicken fried steak to get to the end and find out the prime rib's going as well. So take that now. We'll double down later. Uh, but that's kind of the mindset. Be patient. But if it's there, take that, uh, and we'll get the big play at the end. So when a Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Sorry, I was muted. I was too caught up, too emotional. Uh, he is a dream. I mean, he, he, he gets it. He gets it in a way that many people don't. Uh, Tony, I go to you first. Your thoughts. I mean, I love it. I know. (laughs) I love it. You know, for me, it's, it's, I mean, well said, I mean, perfectly said, don't, you know, you don't need the home home run shot every single time, you know, take what's there. Don't be greedy. You know what, that, that prime rib is going to be down there at some point. It may not be down there right now. So don't pass up the country fried steak. So I I just love that mentality. And, And Dak is, I think he touched on it like last week, the no ego offense, right? I mean, everybody's going to get a taste. Everybody's going to get a touch. Don't worry about it. You know, if it's, if it's CD this week, it's going to be Amari next week. If it's Tony this week, it's going to be Zeke next week. So if for this offense, it's, you know, what's your flavor? What do you, what do you enjoy? And that's, you know, it's to us, it's, it's perfect. It's a perfect mentality to run an offense. Uh, Dan, your thoughts on Dak's understanding of this. I mean, it's, it's not something that every quarterback gets. No, I mean, I just love Dak Prescott. It's, I mean, honestly, I think um, it kind of reminds me of 2014 Romo. And, you know, I feel like it took a Romo a long time to get to that point. But, you know, and, and that's the year that, you know, DeMarco ran for all those yards. So the Cowboys weren't like passing, you know, pass heavy. But just the way he seems to understand the game, you know, and you see him every time at the line of scrimmage, it just seems like, this guy, I mean, he's he's so mature beyond his years, and I just there's just so much to love about him. I, I think that you know the way he he help he plays with so much poise, and I mean it's really hard to find things to criticize him about. I mean, it, you look through the first four games. I mean, what are we unhappy about with Dak? I mean, I, he, I don't he just. His, his decision-making is at a different level, and and that's pre-snap. That's also, obviously, as, as 
plays are unfolding. Tom, uh, before you go, this is my favorite example of this that I have found as of lately. This is from Sunday against the Panthers. So we'll put this up here, and you can see, and we'll pause it and break it down. So Dak takes the snap, and right now he's looking downfield. Right now Dak's trying to hit the home run, and he's waiting. He's waiting. He even pump fakes, and he's waiting, and then right there, that's the chicken fight stick right there, Dalton Schultz. This is an 18-yard game because Dak is, is not greedy. I mean, and sometimes that's a four-yard game. Sometimes that's a, a two-yard game. You know, it's not always an 18-yard game. So this is maybe not the best example of it. But and, and the broadcast shifts to a better angle of it here in a moment. But that that is something that not every quarterback gets. And this, this is my favorite angle of it because you can see how much Dak wants that. He is waiting for something to develop there, and he wants it badly. And Dalton Schultz, credit to him, floats out and realizes he can bail his quarterback out, and then there's nothing in front of him. I mean, this is... This is elite team offense, Tom. Yeah, and Dak Prescott plays like he's been in the league as long as Tom Brady. You know, his understanding. You were going to say Tom Ryle at first. I really found that. <laughs> no, but his, his understanding of the game is so f- much more advanced than his years in the league would make you expect. Uh, he, I, I, when asking about moving the goalposts, I mean, how much better do people think he can get at that? Well, the answer to that is partly people that don't understand what they're seeing may think that he's not getting it done out there. But you go in and you look at Bob Stern at the Athletic, does great breakdowns, and he continuously reiterates, Dak Prescott is playing at a rarefied level we just don't see that and yeah i this is the best we've seen what may be a little bit scary is how high is his ceiling i don't think he's gotten close to it yet um dan i'll allow you a rebuttal here because i don't i don't want to stoke the flames too much uh but tony i would we're four games in i want to be very clear about this i would suggest that the this is this is Dak has become Charizard, right? Like this is the beginning of Charizard. And in that sense, he he has the potential to be even better this season than Tony Romo was in 2014 because he's far more athletic. I mean, that's that's part of what it is. I mean, g- given where Tony Romo was physically and athletically at that point in his career. I mean, this this might be we, we might be in the midst of one of the greatest seasons that a Dallas Cowboys quarterback has ever had. I mean, it, it certainly feels that way four weeks in. And not greatest from a measurable standpoint, but greatest from an authoritative dominance, you know, efficiency standpoint. I mean, Dak, I, I mean, is, tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, as far as you look at the kind of what the trajectory he was on last year, pre-injury, right? You're talking pre-injury, and if he didn't have the defense he had, what, what could he have done statistically wise last year? Then you look at it this year and it's done in a more efficient way, right? The defense is there to help. And, you know, the defense as a whole is better. The defense more opportunist, opportunistic, and it's helping him as a whole, helping this team as a whole. Like, you, I mean, look at the stat line from last week. I mean, under 200 yards passing and four touchdowns. I'll take that every single week. I mean, every single week. And I don't care if he touches 5,000, 6,000 passing yards. It doesn't equate to wins. What does equate the wins is touchdowns. So for him to have four touchdowns is it's in 180, whatever it was, yards. Like Dak Prescott is playing this game like a violinist. It's beautiful. It's music to my ears. You know, it is, it's, he doesn't care. It's no ego. I said it before and I'll say it again. 
Dak Prescott is playing this game of football the way it is meant to be played. You take what is there, you take your country fried steak, and guess what? You keep playing like this at the end of the year. You could be playing for prime rib. Uh, Dan, do you think he has a chance to challenge 2014 Tony Romo? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I'm, if I remember correctly, I believe Romo even got an MVP vote that year. He did, um, and he. I think he should. I think we all think he should have won. He, he he was much more valuable to the Cowboys that year than than and to the NFL than Aaron Rodgers was. So great point. Aaron Rodgers yeah, sucks I, is the takeaway. Is my point. I uh, I, you know, I think. For Dak to get the respect he deserves, he's going to have to, you know, make some plays, you know, in that second season. And that's what we were all waiting for. But I, you know, if you look at like even the game, you know, where he didn't throw very much in this last game, but, you know, look at the place. Like, remember when he almost got sacked, but then he just flicked it to Zeke, you know, and turned a seven yard loss into a two yard gain, or, or when uh, Biotis like snaps it at his feet again, you know, and he picks it up and he runs for 15 yards. So, I mean, Dak's still making plays. He's still a playmaker. I mean, just because he's throwing, checking down to Schultz sometimes and, you know, not having these huge numbers. Uh, I mean, he's 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 a winning quarterback. That's what he's doing. And uh, honestly, I just don't know how anybody can complain about him. He's such uh, a nice guy, too. I mean. Yeah, it's, it's because they're silly. In fact, I would actually argue that the Cowboys offense could be better. Um, I wrote about this today at the site. The Cowboys offense has been given four possessions with 37 or less yards to go. Shout out Trayvon Diggs. And they have only scored a touchdown on two of them. The other two have been field goals. But, you know, if, you're, if you've got 37 or yards less to go and we're all here throwing roses at Dak Prescott's feet, rightfully so. I mean, 37 yards to go. You got you to punch that in the end zone. I mean, that's where I think some of the warts are on this team, you know, right now. No, no team is perfect. I mean, the fact that they're scoring points, the Cowboys have had – they have 10 turnovers this season. Everybody knows that. Um, one of them was the Jordan Lewis interception at the end of the first half against Tampa. So there wasn't an offensive possession immediately following that because it was the end of the half. One of the others was the Trayvon Diggs pick six, which obviously is a touchdown that the Cowboys offense has nothing to do with. So of the remaining eight – turnovers that the Cowboys defense has caused eight possessions the Cowboys have yielded they have turned those eight possessions into 25 points think about that I mean 25 points that the defense has given the offense Tom there is some complimentary football happening here kumbaya yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) I mean that was not exactly a question where do you want me to run with that yeah it's it's very important and I think we get very focused on Kellen Moore, the evil mastermind. And why is he gonna be evil? That, like, why can't he, I? I see he's like Jimmy Neutron to me. Like, he's all have, have wholesome. You, have you seen? Have you seen, seen that one great uh, GIF of him that he's, where he's getting yeah. the? Yeah, I love that. Uh, but with Dak, you know, we're looking at what he's doing, and and all of a sudden we've got the running game. But we've seen the Cowboys with the unbalanced approach where they were really good, usually on offense, and the defense couldn't get off the field, uh, couldn't stop the other team, uh, didn't have the takeaways. All of a sudden, we're seeing, while the defense, I think, has more warts on it at this point, you know, particularly the fact that there always seem to be some really big plays they give up that just don't seem to make a whole lot of sense. They are playing much more at the level the offense is. And that's why we've seen them score 
over 30 points three games this this uh, season because it's not just the offense that gets to score, but it's the defense keep giving them opportunities. And a three and out with a punt can be just as much an opportunity. Or let's say the stand where the other team tries to make a long field goal, misses, then you've got the short field, and oh, this time they drive it right down and get the seven. So, yeah, I love the complimentary football. I love the fact that, you know, is there a better OCDC combo than Dallas has right now? There may be some others that are in the conversation, but I don't think you can point me to one that you would say is clearly better. Tony, somehow, someway, Tom did not mention the name Trayvon Diggs, which I find to be disrespectful when he's handing out all these props and kudos and whatnot. Um, so I'll go ahead and do it for him. And yeah. Tony, I'll put it to you. I'll put it to all of you. Dan, I'm coming to you next time. You get the most time to think on this. Tony, Trayvon Diggs is the best Dallas Cowboys defensive back since who? Man. <laughs> I mean, in the moment, you want to say primetime, right? Like in the, mo- in the heat of the moment. It's not absurd. Like that's, that's not an absurd thing to say. I don't think it's absurd. And I've, and I've really unemotionally thought about this, right? At what point are you saying that Trayvon Diggs is, you know, top two, not two cornerbacks in this league at some point, right? I mean, this guy is playing out of his mind. And, and, it's, and the scary thing is the picks may not continue, but I bet you that the balls going his way stop. And they stop in a, in a hurry. So there's going to be a point in time where he's going to be bored. And that's just a sign of respect. So at this point, when is he going to have that Darrell Revis type respect? When is he, and, you know, kind of answer your question. I mean, man, Deion Sanders isn't out of the question. I mean, Terrence Newman, um, is he attacked the ball like Anthony Henry? Like Trayvon Diggs right now is kind of in, man, in a world. I didn't of expect his... Anthony Henry love today, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's. But, Let's throw some you know, Jacques Reeves love out while we're at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> My, my my point is it's the Trayvon's dig Trayvon Diggs is untapped potential. Like it's scary how good this kid can be and how he's going to continue to grow. And, and the league is noticing. I mean, the fact of the matter is he, he's going to get his respect sooner rather than later. Um, I, I, I totally agree with you, Tony. And I, I, I wrote about this today as well. Uh, it's a busy day at the site. You know, we're always turning content out. Shout out to Dave Halpern, always making sure everything goes out on schedule and whatnot. Um, but with the help of Aiden Davis, one of the great minds at Blogging the Boys, we looked at the sustainability of Trayvon's, or rather more of a projection of Trayvon's interception numbers this season. To your point, Tony, it's one of the least controllable metrics in the NFL because teams can just stop throwing at him. You know what I mean? So, you know, what, P- I, people will say, like, we, we, will, we will reach a point where people will be like, man, Trayvon sucks now. What happened? It's going to be like, well, teams adjusted like that's what happened here but i don't know that this this didn't get a lot of love i don't know if any of you know this trayvon has five interceptions for the first four games of the season nobody in the history of the nfl has had more interceptions through a season's first four games now, trayvon's not the only person to have five but he tied the record for most interceptions through a season's first four games so dan i put it to you trayvon is the best dallas cowboys db since who i think it's prime i mean I, I think his floor right now is Terrence Newman. I mean, I think he's as good as Newman right now. If he's like stopped right now, you know, he's just, I felt com- completely comfortable with the wrong know, way, Tom. You're play. pointing the wrong way. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, like, do, do you know how many, uh, how many, the, the, the most picks Prime had at, with the Cowboys? 
And I, I looked it up and it was five. So, I mean, of course, people did not throw right you know, to, to prime. But um, I think that Dix is just, you know, he's, you know, he, he's a good corner. He's got the fundamentals. He comes from the, the factory that makes good corners, you know. You know, he's got great length and he's just, uh, you know, good closing ability. And now he's catching passes. I mean, he's not just like getting there and breaking them up. He's catching them. And so, I don't know. I think this is, I think we're looking at a situation that, you know, in a few years, we're looking about how Jerry's going to make him the highest paid corner in the league because he'll reach that point to where he's the guy, you know, he'll be one of the top guys. And, uh, and uh, fortunately for us, we get to just, you know, enjoy, you know, three more years of, you know, that cheap rookie deal while he's playing at a, at a high level. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm really stoked. I was stoked. I was stoked on day two before we even had him because I just knew he was coming to us. And uh, so, uh, you know, Diggs is, I think he's a special player. So I'm going to switch the question up on you to keep you on your toes. Um, <laughs> when DeMarcus Lawrence gets back, who's the best defensive player on the team? I'm still going to go with, with D-Law at the moment just because he's got the body of work and Diggs doesn't. But I will say that, that Trayvon has a chance to overtake him and prove he's the best defender on the, the team by the end Are of the Are they one season. and two? Is, is Micah three at this point? Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's – that's a, that's very interesting when you. When I know you, it is. That's why I asked the question, Tom. That it's yeah. my job to you know bring up interesting topics. And that you know I just let let that slip my mind. My my bad. Slap me. But uh, yeah, that isn't that a great problem to have. Oh, it's an incredible trying problem. to figure that. Yeah, uh, I, I did want to throw out though on on Trayvon. He is already allowing a, a quarterback rating of something like forty two or forty six. Uh, so far in the season. So that whole thing about Trayvon Island may come around a lot faster than we would have ever dreamed because, yeah, the quarterbacks are just not going to want to throw his way because they know that there's a chance of a pick. And if they don't get the pick, then there's a really good chance it's going to be a wasted play with an incompletion. Tony, rank the top three defenders on the team when Demarcus Lawrence is back and healthy. I mean, I th- all right. So right this moment, you're telling me back and healthy, everybody's healthy. I still put Demarcus Lawrence as number one. He affects the game in a variety of different ways. I don't care what the stats say. The guy is a monster when he's on the field. Um, number two, Trayvon Diggs, and then number three, I would say Micah Parsons. But in his absence, and by the time Demarcus Lawrence is back and ready to play football, he could be dethroned. You know what I mean? We're talking about a bona fide lockdown cornerback which is that term is not even thrown around the NFL anymore, right? We're talking about, you know, everybody make, has plays made on them. But Trayvon Diggs is getting some rarefied air right now to the point where he could overtake that and be in that top discussion in the entire league, never mind the team. Dan, your ranking. Yeah, I, I, I agree with, with both of them. I mean, I think, you know, you know, Tank does a lot of things people don't give him credit for. Um, I'm not ready to move him aside. Um, the thing is with Diggs is – I think smart quarterbacks will stop throwing towards him, but looking at the Cowboys schedule, I don't know that that's going to apply. So, I mean, he could very well have eight picks, you know, by, so, I mean, I think Diggs' stock's going to keep rising. However, that Micah guy, I mean, he just gets, you know, plays better and better. So 
I don't know. I'm going to just draw out of a hat. I mean, between those three, I'm going to pick one, two, three, and those, that's my ranking. There's the, all three of those guys are just phenomenal. Anybody want to make a case for Randy Gregory to be in the top three? Not quite yet. However, I've got a number four that it, that's a, not Randy Gregory. I know where you're Randy going. Gregory. I know where you're oh, going. I know where you're going to, Tom. You're yeah. so predictable. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, that's me. I I like Odiggy. I think. Well, look what he's doing. He has suddenly established an interior pass rush that we haven't seen from the Dallas Cowboys since Jerry Jones hadn't had a facelift. So it's <laughs> it's like, you know, I can't I can't really say how important that is. And we've got still got Neville Gallimore coming in. When those two start lining up next to each other, and you've got D-Law, Randy Gregory, and oh, Micah Parsons can come in when you need him. And like, I think we're going to see some absolute terror on the other side of the the line. That's a lot of love for Osa Digizua, Tom. Um, Dan, I'll go back to your point. Cowboys' remaining schedule. Got the Giants on Sunday at New England next week. Then they're on their bye. Bye week got here quick. All right. Uh, then at Minnesota after that, Denver, Atlanta, at Kansas City, Vegas on Thanksgiving, at New Orleans on Thursday Night Football, at Washington, at New York, Washington, Arizona, at Philly to end it. How many losses do you see here on this list? Oh, gee. You know, I'll take the hard ones like KC and Arizona. But I really think the Cowboys could maybe win one of those. So, I don't know. I know there's always going to be a letdown game with the, an NFC East team, probably mm-hmm. with Washington. I don't know. I mean, God, I, I hope they don't lose to the Giants. Giants are terrible. And, and oh, I don't know. I have them at, like, let's see, there's 17 games now. 12, 12, at, 12 feels more than fair. I think 12 is very realistic right now. 12 wins? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd be surprised if they didn't win 12 games. Um, but, I mean, the, the problem about the the difficulty of the schedule is it really de- has a, largely dependent on the quality of your team. So, I mean, before I could pick out this one, that one, it's like, you know, there we go, 11 and 6. Um, but I don't know. It's, I don't see – I mean, Atlanta's not beating us. Denver's not – I mean – I, I, I think I, I think they'll probably get to the bye at five and one. I this is an unpopular opinion. I've said it. They could lose that Minnesota game. They could. I think Minnesota's not quite what one and three suggests. And to your point, Dan, like they'll they're not going to win every game. You know, they'll they'll have letdown games. They'll have weird moments. Something weird will happen in a game. A, a weird call. You know, they'll be on the wrong side of who knows. Whatever. Um, I think that they probably after this, if we're, if we're assuming that. I think they probably, you know, beat Denver and Atlanta. I think they split Kansas City and Vegas because that's the Sunday before Thanksgiving and then Thanksgiving. So that's a really quick turnaround. That's a tough thing. I could see them like winning in Kansas City and then just being emotionally exhausted. Maybe Vegas needs that game a little bit more at that point in time because they smell blood in the water with Kansas City having lost whatever. You know, maybe they split with Washington. I think you're right. They lose one of those division games down the stretch. Maybe they lose to Arizona. But it, Tony, it's it's difficult to to see a world where they don't have at least 11, 12 wins. I mean, so when we we put out our predictions over at the site, uh, I I said thirteen and four, and and I think I got I think I got smoked for that. So like for me, Homer. 
Yeah, I was a homer, right? But if you look at it, right, let's just look at the schedule. Let's say they don't even split the games that are, like, decisive. Let's say they lose to Kansas City. Let's say they lose to the Raiders. They lose to Arizona. By the way, if you're going to lose two games, lose to Kansas City and the Raiders. Like, lose to the AFC teams. We're totally fine with that. And that's my total – and that's, like, my whole point, right? So let's say they lose all the games that were, like, okay, maybe they could split. That's four losses. Now, if you take care of the Giants, New England – and you just take out what you have to take out the trash, right? You're sitting mm. there 13 and four. Now, if you, if you talk, like you said, Minnesota is tough, then you're looking at 12 and five. Like I, I mean, to me, the absolute floor that I'm thinking is 11 and six. Like I think the absolute worst that this schedule, the way this team is playing, what they've shown us as is, is 11 and six. Tom, is it fair then to elevate the expectation, right? You know, when, when Mike McCarthy's hired, you know, kind of like Dan talked about earlier, it's like, okay, well, you know, hey, this is this is the guy. This is the guy that's supposed to be the difference. He's a guy who's won a Super Bowl before. That's the expectation. Then pandemic hits, everything happens, everything we discuss, don't need to relitigate it. And so now, you know, entering 2021, it's okay, get get the wheels back on track. Is it fair to adjust the expectation now four games in? And I think part of the reality isn't just what the Cowboys are doing. It's that the division is, you know, disgusting around them so they should have a free ticket into the playoffs they should you know be one of the better teams is it fair to to say you know what you got to make the conference championship i mean are you willing to put a a line there that they have to cross this season they would all depend on circumstances if if it was i don't care about that you have to answer so that when it doesn't happen we can make fun of you in two months well i i really think that a lot of people have been coming into this year already thinking that if they don't make the conference championship game, that there's going to be a feeling they underachieved. And well, you the, feel that way a little bit. Ooh. And, you know, you, and you have to, one thing I saw was that I believe the Cowboys are the only team in the league who has beaten the spread every game. Four so, no. So, it's not just, you know, it's everybody that they're exceeding expectations so far. Mm, you know, good that, point. That, so let's just wait and see. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I think they have a, a chance to make a, a deep run, certainly deeper than they've made over the past several years. And I would, you know, if they get to the conference championship game, I will feel that the Mike McCarthy hire is vindicated but still has work to do. And that's going to be kind of tough because you start looking at some of the contract situations and the lack of salary cap space in 2022, it's going to be tough to keep this roster together. The flip side of that is, boy, they sure did a good job of restocking it this year. Dan, uh, when you are, uh, I don't know, withdrawing maple syrup from the trees in Oregon in January, I don't know if that's a thing. made it up totally <laughs> so uh but when we, when we get to january like what is your expectation going to be for this team like tony said 13 or sorry 11 wins is the floor but tony's tony's ready to lock in 13 tom's a little bit more reasoned you know in, in expectation although if Oso diggy zua starts every week who knows what tom's expectations are but i mean what what is fair to to expect of this cowboys team based on how the circumstances have changed to tom's point four weeks into it yeah, I mean, I think unless we win the Super Bowl, we're going to be disappointed at some point because, you know, they didn't do what we thought they were going to do. 
Uh, I'm certainly not going to judge McCarthy on if he doesn't make it to the NFC Championship. I'm not going to be like, well, he's no better than Garrett. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that winning football games is hard. I mean, winning Super Bowls is hard. You know, you get to the playoffs and you're having, you know, you're able to get there and just, you know, have winning seasons. That's a that's an accomplishment in the NFL. So I'm not going to be too critical, but I do think at you know three four games in, my expectations are rising. We're seeing what this team is capable of. Um, you know, we certainly want them to keep playing like that. And if they start to, you know, stray away, then you know we're gonna have opinions about it. But I mean, I think we're gonna be one of the contending teams. Um, I think you could. There's all every year. There's probably a handful of teams you could throw in there and say they could win a Super Bowl. And you know, if the stars line up, then it happens. And I think the Cowboys. It's fair to say that they are one of those teams and we may have not thought so to start the season, but I, there's nothing they've shown me that makes me think that they, you know, they, they couldn't do that. Um, but you know, a, a lot of good things have to happen. You have to catch some breaks and you know, there's only, I believe there's only one buy, you know, now, so it's going to be trickier. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough road, uh, but it's going to be fun. I mean, I'm excited about, you know, this team is just a good team and, uh, I don't know how far they can go. I mean, I, what I expect, I don't know, 12, 12 and a half wins, um, a good season. You know, please keep killing more. That's <laughs> that's my expectations. Um, so I'm I'm a believer that the NFL is poetry, right, in, in a lot of ways. And I think we've seen that in, in primetime contests so far this year. Uh, something I realized today is an example uh, Amari Cooper played 52 games with the Oakland Raiders uh, before being traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Assuming he plays every game between now and Thanksgiving, which, you know, his injury status is fluctuated, but he's a baller, so he likely will. Assuming he plays every game between now and then, the Thanksgiving Day game against the now Las Vegas Raiders will be his 52nd game with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, nice. and, and amazingly, his first against his former team. Uh, so just, you know, the NFL can, can deliver poetry in that way sometimes. Uh, and I've said this for a while, and maybe I'm just trying to will it into existence. But when, when we talk about expectations, I, I think that we've seen this this week. You know, I, I've talked a lot about how the Cowboys are doing things they should do, right? Like they they should, you know, have gone one and one in those first two games. They should have beat the Eagles handily. They should have exposed the Panthers a little bit. They should, you know, beat the crap out of the Giants. But this is a season of, of doing things you should do. That doesn't necessarily mean win the Super Bowl, but it's it's about you know, finally doing some of that should that they haven't done for a very long time. Maybe you, you know, maybe you want to argue that should is good in the NFC championship game, but due to the poetry that the NFL sometimes provides, I think it's destiny for this Cowboys team to be the three seed as Tom mentioned. And then in the divisional round of the playoffs, the round that has haunted them forever, the round they haven't been able to get out of to travel to Lambeau field, to take on the man who has, who has been their, their Achilles heel in Aaron Rodgers. And I think the poetry of Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Green Bay Packer being a divisional round loss against the team he has tormented at home at Lambeau Field, a site of incredible history between the Cowboys and Packers, led by the coach who he ousted and got out of town from the aforementioned building that this is happening. Like that's that's the expectation for me, is is for the poetry to keep happening. And I I cannot I don't I honestly don't know if I would care what would happen in the conference championship game at that point in time. I would feel invincible personally, like anything, any mountain could be climbed. But like, tell me, tell me that the, the Cowboys don't feel destined. Amari Cooper said something special is happening, Tom, but tell me they don't feel destined for some sort of amazing poetic moment like that. 
Oh, you, by the way, the uh, the uh, NFL should put you in charge of hyping that game if it should come up because you just covered some great storylines. But yeah, this this feels special, and they they got another. By the way, Tom, I bleed blue three sixty five says that would scare the hell out of me. Like, yeah, we would all be petrified. Like, we can we're comfortable here in in October. We would be petrified going into that game. Yeah, uh, that's true. We would be the the nerves would be be tremendous. But the Cowboys have one more thing kind of hidden in their deck. They still have five starters that are not available to play. Mm. Uh, They're all coming back. How important is it going to be to have that many guys rested with this extra long grind of a season? Plus, as they mentioned, they've already played 30 different players on defense. That is far more than you normally see have experience. So they're they're able to get the younger players valuable game experience so that they get better. They're able to survive having so many starters out, they're still winning games. I mean, this team could be set up and in, in very good shape for for the post buy part of the season for them. Mm, okay, let's uh, let's finish here. Cowboys, uh, depending on when and where you look, Cowboys about seven seven and a half point favorites. So we'll go with seven and a half. Tony, do the Cowboys cover on Sunday against the New York Football Giants? I think they do cover, and I think they cover convincingly. I think these are one of the mm. games that. You know, it's maybe it's tight early, you know, because it's Giants and, you know, then maybe we, we kind of stumble around a little bit. And then the way this team has been playing this year, I think we just put it to them and put them to bed. Dan, seven and a half. Cowboys cover. Yeah, I think it'll be a little bit nervous in the first half because there will be points from both sides. But uh, I think they'll you know run away with it in the second half. Thomas. Yeah, the Giants are tied with the Eagles for a reason. So, yeah, they're going to cover it just like they did against the Eagles. Um, right on. Um, uh, Clayton says, got to go pick up my sister from work. It's been a great show, guys. Can't wait to do it again. We do these live streams every single Tuesday here on the Block of the Boys YouTube channel. That includes during the bye week. We do Tuesdays because Survivor comes on on Wednesdays. We don't want to take away any other shine. Dan knows what I'm talking about there. Everybody root on Danny McRae, by the way, former cowboy. Uh, certainly does a lot of stuff for DallasCowboys.com. Uh, you can hear all of these fine gentlemen on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. Tom, every Thursday on Riled Up with Roy White. You can hear Dan and Tony alternating throughout the week in the mornings. They have a daily update show called Dallas Cowboys Roundup where they tell you all the news, all the nuggets, everything you need to know to get your day started when it comes to America's team. Dan is on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tony is on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, so he'll be busy later on this evening. Uh, Tony on Twitter at Tony underscore Catalina. Tom on Twitter at Tom Rao BTV. Dan on Twitter at Danny Phantom 24 You can hug these guys. Uh, if you just tweeted them, they'll find you wherever you want, give you a nice hug. Uh, that's what they're all about. Love and affection. Anybody have anything else? Any last words? Any, you know, funny things, anything you want to share about life in general? Now's the time. Or, you know, as Jeff Probst says, now would be the time to do so specifically. I'm just going to go out and get some maple syrup. So, uh, (laughs) I don't know what I thought. I just thought of like really tall trees and like, I, I just, that, it made sense in my mind. Um, I don't know. That, uh, if, they, if they don't have maple syrup in Oregon, that's got to be one of the only agricultural products that doesn't come out of that state from my visit up there. They grow Thank everything. you, Tom. There's, there's logic in, in what I said. Uh, Tony, <laughs> any final words? It just feels good to be a Cowboys fan right now, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. That's right. Um, everybody, have yourselves a great rest of your week. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us.